Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. everybody welcome back to the three technique a college football podcast presented by anchor i am not mitch mason i am stepping into the host chair a little bit today our friend mitch is out on vacation he is earning some much earned rest uh up in montana big sky country so if you're out and about we if we have any listeners in montana and you happen to see mitch out on the golf course or out and about say hi to him i know he'd love to hear that but i am not alone today i am joined uh by the other member of our team mr garrett turney garrett how are you doing today oh we are feeling fantastic on the correct side of the metroplex yes that's tarrant county 817 how are we doing always holding it down for always tarrant county we love uh everywhere in the metroplex but garrett definitely does love him some i'm tarrant so county. so Garrett, how are we doing? It's uh, We're recording this on a Monday afternoon. Summer's in full swing here in Texas. That means the temperatures are rising, but we got a lot of stuff going on. What have you guys been up to? Oh, man, we have been taking it easy. Lots of days by the pool. Lots of just hanging out, not really taking myself too seriously. Uh, yeah, no, it is. The temperatures are getting a lot hotter, and we're hitting the dog days of summer. So let's, uh, yeah, let's get dog into days, it. Dog days, yeah. Usually, you know... Sometimes not a lot going on in the college football sphere um, when we hit these <laughs> dog days of summer, but I think we do have a lot. I don't know if it's just wishful thinking, but it does seem like we have like had a lot of more things to talk about than usual in these times. You know, I I saw we did get some win totals over under. We got obviously the Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban beef. We'll talk about Ryan Day's comments on NIL space. Never short on news. So I did want to say like I have loved summer so far we went to a wedding uh this past weekend and just quick story one of the things i just love about college football bride is an lsu grad groom is an a&m grad you have kind of the crossing (laughs) of the worlds yeah it was it was awesome so half the reception is big into lsu other half is big into a&m they played colin baton rouge on the dance floor followed immediately by the aggie war hymn it was just awesome just (laughs) One of those things that makes you really thankful for college football, you know, like just it's more than a sport. There's so much uh, life, so much family tradition just seeped into this little game that we love. And so 
just wanted to give a well, shout and, out to that. It was awesome. And congratulations to the bride and groom, one for their marriage and for getting that, uh, you know, that holy matrimony and being able to engage in that. But also, uh, shout out to the bride and groom for not putting this wedding in the fall on a Saturday. Yes. Uh, great job. Fantastic job. I mean, obviously, you got LSU and AM people. You would have hoped that they would know that, but. We both know that that is not a given. So absolutely. Yes. It, we have all, if you're listening to this podcast in June, I'm sure you've been to a fall wedding right in the middle of when your team was playing. And mm-hmm. it's just the worst. I will say it was right in the middle of an NCAA regional game for both of those schools. And so that was a little interesting. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're a big sports fan. You can't avoid them all, right? Absolutely. You're going to have sports on something, but yes, you cannot have a fall wedding on a saturday um, if you're in the fall taking a wedding you know you're just kind of running your chances anyways because even you know eventually you might have an anniversary on a saturday that falls that way and look you're yep. just you're not setting yourself up to succeed you're just not it, setting yourself up to succeed exactly what i was gonna say you don't choose the bye week either because fellas yep. your anniversary is every year it's not just the one it year, ain't a so. bye week next year so exactly oof. so oof Shout out to them. Thank you for doing it in June. Um, Beautiful wedding, beautiful couple. Um, What we love about college football. But Garrett, with that being said, we do have just a little bit of news to get into. We can't go a week without getting some NIL news on the space (laughs) and Ryan day. um, By the time you guys listen to this, it will be just a couple weeks, uh, weeks ago, but Ryan day, we did feel the need to comment on his comments. So uh, reported um, first by cleveland.com Ryan day speaking to an NIL group. Um, Sounds like he was speaking to some business people in Columbus, Ohio, says that Ohio State needs $13 million in the name, image, and likeness deals to, quote, maintain its football roster beyond next season. So I think the first time a coach this publicly, definitely a coach this high profile has put a number to that NIL situation. We've heard a lot of rumors from message boards and from credible sources but the first time that a sitting head football coach that I can recall has put an actual number to this. So again, he's speaking to business uh, business owners in Columbus and putting an actual $13 million figure on this NIL program at Ohio State that would need to happen in order for Ohio State to either get the recruits that um, Ryan Day is desiring or even maintain against possible transfer portal losses. So Garrett, did you have any thoughts on that? What was your first reaction when you heard this number being thrown around by Ryan Day? Well, honestly, I thought the number would have been bigger. I mean, $13 million seems kind of small when you hear the rumors of some of these deals that go around. I mean, obviously, we heard, I think the big one coming out of actually Ohio State was Quinn um, heading to Texas, and the rumor was $4 million. Obviously, we can't confirm anything necessarily, but the rumor being $4 million to get him there. So if you're talking about a quarterback who had – what three or four collegiate snaps um, getting paid 4 million to transfer to a big program. I would think that the number would be much bigger, Uh, but I guess maybe is the angle he's coming at here that you just pay the top guys and the rest of the guys just kind of get that figured out. Do you have to pay contributors down the line? 
is is does he mean 13 million annually like i'm a little confused by some of his comments but if it's a 13 annual number that might make sense for freshmen coming in i don't know that that makes sense for some of those star players on the top end especially at a program like ohio state yeah i think that was my first initial thought too and then looking into this a little bit more and thinking about it just a little bit more one, I think this serves two pro, uh, two purposes for the Buckeyes and for Ryan Day. One, he's throwing a number out there just to say, hey, recruits, this isn't just a South thing, right? This isn't just a yep. SEC thing. This isn't just a South of the Mason-Dixon line thing. We p- are willing to get into the NIL game up North too. Don't forget about Ohio State. I think that's purpose number one for sure. Purpose number two, I think – Uh, And my my second thought on it was this might be a little bit of a reality check on some of these wild numbers that are getting thrown around because my first thought too was 13 million. That sounds low compared to these rumors that we've been hearing about, especially some schools down south in particular, but that might be more of a reality check to us in the college football space and the college football fandom of what these deals are actually um, comprised of because right, I don't and- think that Ryan Day is going to be someone that sits idly by. He's shown that he can manage a program very well. I don't think that Ryan Day and Ohio State are going to be one that's caught off guard by this. I right. could be wrong. I think we have seen some schools that are kind of scrambling a little bit, but I don't think Ohio State would be one of those schools. Well, and the big rumor obviously was the AM and the 30 million and the sliced bread and all of those details. And of course, we're talking rumors here. If the 13 million is here and that's going right, and I think I did see somewhere, it might have been just on Twitter, but several recruiters confirming that that 13 million number is pretty accurate. I mean, if that's true, then this could definitely put some of those rumors to bed. It might give a little bit more credence to what's happening here. And it might help kind of reel in expectations for the recruits as well, because, you know, there's these high school kids that are hearing, well, I heard this guy got this much money. And now it's sort of almost, I don't want to say inflating the market because it's not exactly a market, but to the extent that this is a market inflating it, you know, there's, there's some amount of, you know, programs that are probably willing to dish out a little bit extra than they should, because of rumors that are getting tossed around. So um, I'm curious to see where this goes, curious to see um, what's up with this. I also, I mean, I think you brought up a great point with Ryan Day, just trying to remind kids this isn't just the South. We had talked even a couple weeks ago in our mailbag um, about how we hadn't really talked about Ohio State because we had such big expectations for him. But yeah, Ohio State's had a really quiet offseason. And I mean, this could just be part of Ryan Day saying, hey, don't forget about me. I'm still here. We're still a preeminent program in college football. We're, we had a bad year last year by our standards. I mean, obviously, we're not going to be upset winning a big bowl game. But, um, you know, by their standards, they definitely didn't achieve what they wanted to. So this is, I think, a way for him to kind of jump back out there onto the main stage and get some attention. Absolutely. Could be. Um, I think, too, you know, just maybe one more thought on this. We do, we've talked a lot on this show about the need for some sort of regulation. We don't want it to just be wild, wild west. I think this number and kind of the reaction to like, oh, that seems low is kind of a fruit of the natural regulation you're probably going to see with this. These right. aren't dumb people handing out these contracts. These aren't, these people did not get into a place in their careers, in their business to where they could hand out these rumored obscene amounts of money to 18 year olds 
but they don't make bad business decisions is what I'm trying to say. They're not guys that are going to end up on the losing side of that deal. And now we can maybe say there might be one or two that just don't care. They have so much money and they just really want to see their program win a national title. I think the vast majority of these are going to regulate themselves. We're going to see a lot of investments not really pay off in the next couple of years. And that's going to regulate the market naturally. So Lots to come. Obviously, this NIL stuff is not going to go away anytime soon. We will be here to cover it as best as we possibly can. Um, And (laughs) it does actually help us when these coaches are open. So hopefully we do get more peeks behind the curtain soon. Gives us more reasons to talk about the news. Gives us more reasons to start off a podcast with uh, talking about which school can buy which player. So that's kind of fun. Absolutely. So... Without further ado, let's move into our topic for today. We are actually getting to talk about some football in 2022. Praise the Lord. And we are going to count down our top 10 most anticipated non-conference matchups of this upcoming season. So what we did, Garrett and I took a look at the slate for this upcoming year, and we kind of picked out 10 games that we wanted to highlight as These are going to be really exciting. Obviously, with non-conference matchups, we tried to exclude the every year rivalry matchups. So if you're hoping to hear a breakdown of Georgia, Georgia Tech, or Clemson, South Carolina, or even Notre Dame, USC, that's not going to be for this show. We will have in-depth breakdowns when those games do get played. But this is kind of the more um, home-and-home rare matchups that we don't get to see that often between two schools that are not typical rivals. We were even looking through Winsipedia before we went live on this one, and some of these schools have never played each other. So just really exciting. Mm -hmm. We're going to run through these uh, 10 to 1, just kind of give our thoughts on them, and hopefully just like it what did for us, it gets you guys excited for this upcoming football season and preview season, which is coming really, really soon. So without further ado, uh, we are going to start with number 10. Again, going down from 10 to 1. Our number 10 matchup is Arizona State at Oklahoma State. We didn't see a line uh, published for this one just yet. It will be taking place week two with the Sun Devils making the trip to Stillwater, Oklahoma to take on Mike Gundy and the Cowboys. Two teams that can really uh, have high-powered offenses at times, but definitely had inconsistencies in their offenses in 2021. Um, Both teams had a lot of upheaval in the transfer portal, especially Arizona State, but this is going to be a big matchup for both of these teams. I think this Pac-12, Big 12 matchup should be a great crowd in Stillwater. Um, Definitely a lot of questions being asked about Herm Edwards and where that program is going. Winning this game in Stillwater would be a big step in the right direction. Oh, yeah, no, and I think you got two teams that are very different in terms of what they're bringing to the table. I think with Oklahoma State, obviously they've lost a lot of pieces on both sides of the ball, but they're bringing back a lot of experience where it counts. And if anything, they've reloaded. I mean, I love Spencer Sanders up there. I know a lot of people up there split on him. I personally love the kid. He kind of reminds me of Bo Wallace in terms of some weeks you get a good yeah. boat, some weeks you get a bad boat. Spencer Sanders can be up and down. He can win you a game on his own, and he can throw five picks in the Big 12 championship game. But he – balls out he puts himself out there and he always seems to have good performances when it matters now of course there's going to be some Oklahoma State fans that are going to disagree with me go ahead shoot me a message on Twitter but um 
if you're looking at the all-time meetings here, Arizona State uh, did win the last meeting in 1993 by a score of 12 to 10. Yes, that is 93, not 1893. That's 1993, 12 to 10. <laughs> uh, you know, after the invention of the forward pass, right? This is, you know, we're talking Pat Jones, Bruce Snyder. So, um, yeah, just a very interesting matchup. It's two wins for Arizona State, one win for Oklahoma State all time. Not a matchup we've seen very much. Um, yeah, really excited to see this one. It's a little bit of a, a different thing. I think the unnamed thing that we're not really talking about here is some really cool uniform combos for both teams. Oh, I'm absolutely. really excited to see what they put out there on the field. I love the all-whites for Arizona State. And I think if the Oklahoma State Cowboys go with their all-blacks, this could be a fun one to watch. Yeah, this could be an all-time uniform matchup for sure. Also, Stillwater a tricky place to play. We've seen a lot of the big powers in the big 12 really struggle to win in Stillwater. That's a passionate fan base that loves their team. You get the paddles going on the uh, first row there and it's, it can be a tricky place to play. I also think just a really interesting matchup of programs. Probably. I think you could say Arizona state and Oklahoma state are similar in their standing in their respective conference. Um, not really like the premier program in their conference, but definitely a consistent, steady force that sure. is looking to make that next step and get over there. Obviously, Oklahoma State has been more successful in that end recently than Arizona State, but we have seen um, Arizona State be capable of that in the past. So, oh, yeah, they can jump prove. up and get you. Yeah, absolutely. And lots to prove. I think, you know, that Pac 12 South is wide open. This year, I think a lot of people are excited about USC, obviously, with Lincoln Riley coming in, but they're unproven, and those guys have not played together. So if Arizona State can make a statement here in week two, who knows? Maybe they could ride that all the way through that division. Yeah. Well, and you got to also think about a game we'll talk about in a little bit, but uh, Utah, if they don't start off so hot, then you know you could see them start to fall under, and then it's anything goes. I expect Utah to play pretty well this year, but – you know, they got to start off uh, with a tough schedule to get going. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. We'll see what happens. Nice little tease there for a game that we will talk about here in just a little bit. But for right now, let's move on to number nine. We've got Cincinnati taking on Arkansas. This is going to happen week one, big game, one of the marquee matchups on the opening weekend of the season. Right now, Arkansas is a touchdown favorite at home against the Bearcats. Obviously, Sam Pittman and co. Very riding high after last year, the most successful year that Arkansas has had in a while, winning a bowl game, and Cincinnati coming off of a college football playoff appearance, being the first group of five team to ever reach that height. This is a really intriguing matchup to me. I think, you know, obviously we saw Cincinnati struggled with Alabama, as most teams do, um, in the college football playoff last year. Obviously, it's a very different Cincinnati team that will be making this trip down to Fayetteville, but this is another one that could set the tone for both of these two teams' seasons very early on. Oh, for sure. And again, kind of a a similar thing where, um, you know, both teams are kind of coming at this in different directions. I think Arkansas, they lost some to the draft, but they're bringing back their undisputed leaders on offense and defense and their quarterback and in their safety, um, Cincinnati losing a bunch to the draft. Uh, they had an obviously historical season, busted into the college football playoff. 
Um, and and I, I still expect them to perform well. I don't think they're going to just disappear. Uh, you know, that kind of culture. There's still a lot of players on that team that were that successful last year. So uh, early test for them, very early test for them. We're going to have to see uh, what they can do. Uh, and the fun one on this one is there are no previous matchups here. These two teams have never played before. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, maybe not as fun of a uniform matchup, just red versus red. But, uh, you know, you, you can't get everything. The important right? things. The important things. No, I'm so focused on uniforms this episode. No, um, no, no matchups, but I think it'll be a really fun, really competitive game to watch. Um, I, I think ultimately the experience for Arkansas will end up pulling them over the top, but I will not count Cincinnati out on this one at all. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Just looking at this early line again, it's a seven-point line for Arkansas. They're favored by a touchdown. I don't think I would touch that line either way right now, especially with all the unknowns with Cincinnati coming in. Luke Fickle knows how to win these big games too. He has shocked the world before. He knows how to come into these Power 5 stadiums and at the very least give the team – a scare and a run for their money. So I, I think I'm with you. I think Arkansas probably holds on and wins this game. I don't think, I think that seven number is just a little too high for me. Well, and also you got to ask, you got to ask for Arkansas was last year, the exception or the rule. Is this a program ascending or is this a program that had a good year and is going to return to everything else with the, the loss of a couple of big playmakers, you know, obviously they're, best player on offense last year will be playing for the Tennessee Titans. So (laughs) you got to ask yourself, is this a team that's going to be able to maintain the success? I think they'll still be just fine, though. I don't know that they're as good as they were last year. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we'll, we'll break, we'll do a full breakdown of all these teams, obviously really, really soon. And, but yeah, this is a big year for Arkansas. This is a big year for Sam Pittman. He is riding high. He is, frankly almost worshipped in Fayetteville right now Um, but we've seen in the past that can turn very very quickly in the southeastern conference if you you can be riding high one year and in the basement and cellar the next year so big year for Arkansas I think it'll be interesting to see how they play with those expectations too Um, they kind of got to play with house money the last couple of years under Sam Pittman and now now there's actual expectations in Fayetteville a lot of people picking them uh, second in the SEC West behind Alabama. So big yeah. test week one. I'm really excited for that one. Lots of big week one matchups. That's kind of what got me really that's, excited putting this yeah, list. That's together, the trend so. in college football now is everyone yeah. plays week one. I am here for it. I love all these big matchups out of the gate. But for our number eight, uh, we are going to move a couple weeks into the future. Number eight, a rematch, the only rematch, recent rematch on this list that we have here. Um, Penn State is going to visit Auburn week three. Right now, this is about as oh, close yeah. as you can get. Auburn is only a one-point favorite at home. I think most of that is just giving uh, advantage to the crowd at Jordan-Hare Stadium. But mm-hmm. uh, again, this is a rematch. Last year, Penn State, this was their wideout game in Happy Valley. They won 28-20. to um, over Bo Nix and the Auburn Tigers, another team, Auburn, with a lot of transition. Obviously, we talked on a previous episode, they lose Bo Nix. We have broke down, Mitch and I broke down their quarterback battle. It's, is it going to be Zach Calzada? Is it going to be TJ Finley? Lots of unknowns there. So it's really interesting to me that Vegas has them as a one-point favorite. I know it's June, and so much is going to change between now and mid-September when this game takes place, but 
Yeah, did you have any thoughts on that opening line, Garrett? Uh, it's an interesting line. I mean, both of these programs are a lot of question marks. Lots of question marks around both programs. I think the only thing I can tell you for sure is I think Penn State will get more consistent quarterback play. I think they have a more proven starter. If the freshman comes in and beats them out, that's only better for them. Um, but I like other than that, I mean, Penn State's been so up and down um, in recent years. Auburn didn't have the year they wanted to last year. I know there's a lot of people that are still, you know, putting question marks around Harson. So it, it's a little bit of an interesting one. Obviously, Penn State winning the matchup last year in the whiteout. I have heard rumors this will be an orange out game. As okay. long as we're going to talk about colors and things like that. So I had seen some traction on Twitter to try to get this thing to be an orange out. I think that'd be an interesting look to uh, for, I think, is it a 2.30 kickoff, I think? is th- This game deserves a night kickoff. but I think It does I deserve a night kickoff. Afternoon. But, yeah, I I, um, I think it is a two. Th- I don't have it pulled up conveniently, but I do think I remember it being an afternoon kick. Yeah, I think it's something like that. But um, we have three games played between these two teams. Penn State's won two of them. Auburn won the other one. The one game that Auburn won against Penn State was a matchup in 2003, 13-9. Joe Paterno versus Tommy Tuberville. Just kind of a fun little bit of coaching trivia there. A couple of... Uh, legends, but maybe with some uh, question marks around them and some asterisks on them as well. So, uh, yeah, one of it'll them, be a fun one to watch. And one of them uh, now is Stallworth in American politics. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that the interesting matchup. I think that that game last year was entertaining. I think, I think most people that watched that game would say the score is probably closer than that game felt. Um, it kind of felt like Penn State was in control for most of that one if i'm remembering it correctly but penn state that was supposed to be the launching game launching pad game for them last year and it just didn't really work out for them um did not penn state also a team that seems to struggle on the road and anytime that we see these northern teams forgot to mention this with cincinnati and arkansas but northern teams coming down south in september also weather is always a factor as well and obviously we don't know that until a little bit closer but it's, it's going to be hot in Alabama It in seems September. to affect them, yeah. Yeah, and so who knows how that will play. I'll um, be hoping for a game. cold front. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we all will in late September, <laughs> let's be honest. So another big game. Um, let's go oh, back yeah. to week one. So number seven on our countdown, uh, Florida State and LSU. So this is technically a neutral site game, but it's being played in New Orleans, obviously much closer to LSU than Florida it's, State. It's a home game for LSU. It's basically a home game for LSU. Um, played in New Orleans. Uh, it's the primetime Sunday night game, week one. National TV audience. We've talked about this game on a previous episode a little bit, but this is a huge, huge game for both of these coaches. Uh, Mike Norvell going into year three, lots to prove at Florida State. We've talked about on this podcast before on our recruiting episodes how his recruiting has not ins- and game day have not inspired a lot of confidence in that fan base. This is a make or break year for him in Tallahassee and Brian Kelly making his debut as the LSU head coach. Um, we talked about our concerns with him on this podcast before, but opportunity to make a big statement against a name program. Uh, like I said, Sunday night game, it'll be the one everyone is watching the week before the NFL gets started, so this is 
all eyes on New Orleans for this matchup. LSU opening as a three-point favorite. Wow, yeah, three points. That, I mean, that feels low to me personally. I think LSU is the more talented team here. Uh, Traditionally, it's been Florida State that's dominated this matchup. It's seven wins to two in favor of Florida State in this matchup. Last time they played, though, 91, this was uh, Bobby Bowden era. So, um, I mean, what do you really say about this? This is LSU hiring a big-time coach after a couple of very disappointing years for the Tigers. Um, They had a decent recruiting class. They're bringing in some players. They certainly lost some to the draft. Um, Florida State, definitely a disappointing year last year. Lots that has to get right there. So, Again, kind of a hot seat coach versus brand new coach. Very different places for both teams. This feels like an LSU blowout to me. Um, but, I mean, I, I think it'll be competitive, maybe. But it just it feels like one that the Tigers maybe run away with in the second half. I could definitely see that. I think, you know, we saw, we saw Florida State get this similar time slot of a national TV game where everyone's watching and no one else is on Mm -hmm. last year when they hosted Notre Dame and they kind of surprised everybody by, um, by holding strong and holding tough with that Notre Dame team. Again, Brian Kelly was coaching that Notre Dame team. We got some interesting comments from him in the middle of that game. I I don't think you should shoot players just to be clearly, but we we are a pro uh, we are a pro players not getting shot. Oh yeah, no, we, we, we uh, don't, yeah, (laughs) we're an anti-players being shot by their head coaches. Yes, we are like it. Let me be clear. Um, we are, so if you, if you are a player on the current LSU squad and you don't play very well against this Florida state team, you might want to take a back exit because (laughs) you you might want to, you might want to sink down to bourbon street and disappear for a couple of days. If you know what I'm saying, (laughs) Brian Kelly, maybe not the most stable there. Not, it's interesting. I think they'll be just fine. If you're LSU, I think they'll play just fine. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Lots of unknowns in the quarterback situation for LSU. Again, we talked. Mitch and I talked about that on our uh, quarterback carousel episode. But it'll be interesting to see um, just how LSU looks under a new coach, new system, all those things that could go wrong. I do think that three point line is about where I'd feel comfortable betting LSU. I don't think I would be comfortable as of right now, betting anything higher than that on LSU. But yeah, like you said, I think I could see. I'd, I'd probably game. bet them up to five and a half or six or something like that. I yeah. I don't feel like they're a touchdown favorite, but I do think the fact that it is in new Orleans helps them a lot. So absolutely. Crowd there might be, be more LSU fans in new Orleans than there are in Baton Rouge. So Yeah. Crowd will be decidedly in favor of LSU. And we saw, obviously, the last time they got to play in that building, they took home a national championship. So it's a building they're mm-hmm. familiar with as well. Um, so moving on right along back to another game on week one, number six on our countdown. We have the Utah Utes, Garrett's darling team out of the Pac-12, oh, yes. paying a visit to the Florida Gators, another team making a debut against a tough opponent with their new head coach and Billy Napier uh, coaching on the sidelines in the swamp for the first time. So Utah is currently a two-point favorite on the road um, against the Florida Gators. That was a little surprising to me. Not in a knock on Utah, but that's just a tough place to play, and Florida always has talent. 
So yeah, just a really interesting, I think most people have pegged Utah as the best team, probably the favorite to win the Pac-12 South and a dark horse college football playoff contender this year. I've seen some people even put them comfortably in the college football playoff. Um, But really, really big, important test for them if those are their aspirations this year here in week one. Are they going to be able to uh, take that confidence that people have in them and take that next step as a program? This would be a big step in the right direction if they're able to win week one in Florida. Right. And I mean, for me, big deal for me is that I am a huge Utah Utes, uh, almost a homer on this one. Uh, got a lot of people follow on Twitter I've been talking with recently, and we're all very excited about Utah's season coming up. Um you were talking about people that would put them in the playoff comfortably. I think that would be me right now. I do think that's an easy one for me. Uh, look, this is a team that's taken a lot of really good steps. They have played Florida one time. Florida did win that game, but that was in 1977. Uh, nobody around for that one. So I, I do think that we're going to have a fun game in the swamp, but I think it'll be more fun if you're a fan of the Utah Utes. Uh, just love what Whittingham's doing up there. And I think that, this will be the start to a really special, really fun season for Utah. So uh, not a whole lot to say here other than the fact that I expect Utah to come out and beat them pretty good. I mean, look, Florida is kind of coming into a rebuild. They're, you know, new coach. Uh, they got some talented players, but nothing really that proven. I know that they just won the SEC East a couple years ago, but that kind of feels like an anomaly based on where they've been the last several years. So we'll see if they can come up and do something and uh, make this a little bit more of a special year for the Gators. I just, I still feel like this team is a couple years away from where they want to be to compete with a team like Utah right now. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think both of these two teams for me personally are also in prove it territory. I, I'm not on the Utah bandwagon. I think they'll be a great team. I know, I know. But I think they'll be a really solid team this year, but until just kind of in a prove-it window, you know? Like, I need to see that they are able to run the table before I'm able to believe it. Um, I mean, look, they, they went back and forth with a very good Ohio State team. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, they I will beat this drum. They were amazing. They didn't lose enough that I feel worried about them. They brought in some good talent. They, they have to beat in my mind, what they have to do is they have to beat USC in a, you know, this is an unproven thing. And I think they get that game at home. Um, But this is an unproven USC team, brand new coach, very good coach, but brand new coach, a lot of new players. We'll see what they can do. I think the prove it onus is on USC right now to say that they can come into this conference and beat Utah based on what they are. I think Utah's proven themselves at the top of this conference right now. And I think it only helps them, especially when we're talking about the getting rid of divisions thing. That's only going to help Utah yeah. because they just got to be better than one of USC or Oregon in a given year. And I think they're going to stay at the top for a little while. Um, again, I, I don't mean to just beat the Utah drum over here, but I'm, I'm pretty excited about this team. I think they're going to do some big things this year, and I, I think they can make some noise in the playoff as well. Well, and don't hear what I'm not saying. Like I, I do think Utah will be in the Pac-12 championship game. They have been a mainstay oh, sure. 
in that game since they've joined the conference. What I don't think I'm ready to say is they are taking the next step and will be a nationally relevant to the national championship chase, the college football playoff chase. I'm not quite there yet with Utah. I do think they're going to have another really solid year. That's what Kyle Whittingham does. He builds teams that have really solid years in the Pac-12 with not a lot of natural recruiting talent. He is an amazing coach. I don't think I'm ready to say they're going to be in the middle of the college football playoff race, though. But if they're able to prove me wrong a little bit and go down into Florida and make quick work of the Florida Gators in week one, I might start to get on that bandwagon a little bit. Now, Florida has problems of their own. They are trying to figure out their quarterback situation. And obviously a first uh, head coach making his debut. I'm not really sold on Billy Napier either. I don't think that, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure he was a clear upgrade over Dan Mullen for the Florida Gators. So this is the prove it to Trey Bull. We will see if we, uh, if we can <laughs> name it that uh, for week it's the one. Prove it to Trey Bull. One we of like these it. teams is gonna come out of this, making me look kind of foolish for my takes on them. If I did have to pick a winner right now, I would probably pick Utah. But I do think this one could go either way, and that's evidenced by the two point line. So, well, I mean, all I'll say to wrap that one up is I'll keep your seat warm on the bandwagon. <laughs> uh, and we will we will wait for week one to roll around so you can come join us on this quest to the natty. So we'll see. Well, I, you know, I, yeah, you can keep it warm. Whether or not we'll I warm. will end up there, think, leave the light <laughs> on for me. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, just moving, moving right along. Uh, another week one. This is one I am really, really excited about. Looking at our list oh, right now, yes. I might even say number five is too low for this one thursday night opening night of week one we have the backyard brawl making a return after a way too long hiatus i believe this is 10 years now since west virginia and pittsburgh have met up obviously man we could go back in the time machine and just talk about some amazing games between these two programs bitter rivals that uh, have not played since West Virginia left for the Big 12. And they open up the season in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. Pittsburgh, a seven-point favorite um, at home on Thursday night. Man, this is what college football is all about. I am really excited that this rivalry is back. It is going to be showcased on a slot where everyone in the nation will be watching. Uh, Primetime Thursday night on ESPN. And it has a lot of really interesting storylines, too. I think uh, West oh, yeah. Virginia coming off a year that is below their standards. And uh, Pittsburgh, we need to figure out who's going to replace Kenny Pickett. Who is going to – is are they going to be able to maintain that momentum that they built having a Heisman candidate at quarterback? Or will they step back into kind of what we have seen from them without that caliber of quarterback play recently? Um, I don't know. It's going to be a really exciting game. Seven points seems a little high for me in a rivalry game with Pittsburgh breaking in a new quarterback, but I don't know. I could also see Pittsburgh just really clicking on all cylinders and making this one that we don't really care about in the second half. Yeah, well, and talk about an all-uniform matchup as well. No, oh, um, absolutely. It's going to be a good one to watch. But um, my big question here for Pitt is just, uh, yes, Kenny Pickett was obviously fantastic, but do they have a Bolitnikov possible wide receiver in their room right now? I mean, do they also have someone like that who concern. can replace that? Is, 
they lost a bunch from their big year last year. Now, I don't think they're falling off a cliff here. I think they're going to stay just fine. Um, the big one for me, though, is for West Virginia, you're bringing in JT Daniels, and you're feeling really good about rolling in there with him. He might be uh, – could he be the best player on the field when they play? I think that's a possibility. I think that's a distinct possibility. Um, obviously, there's plenty of history between these two teams. Um, and like you were saying, this is just good for the game. It's good to get these rivalries that have some history, that haven't been played in a while. Let's get these games back, right? Let's play these games that we want to watch. There's so many really good games that we've been talking about so far, but this is a game that we want to watch. The only reason it really doesn't make it higher on the list for us is because the national conversation around this game, this game won't affect too much when it comes to end-of-the-year playoff picture. I don't expect either of these teams to factor into the playoff. Uh, sorry, Mountaineers. Sorry, Panthers. I mean, just we're, we're not <laughs> we're not saying y'all are bad. We think y'all will be just fine. Uh, you're not there yet. But that's not the goal for those teams this year. That's not I the mean, goal. It, that's it, not the coaches what will always tell you. Yeah, our goal is to make right. the college football playoff. But in a if year where Pittsburgh is replacing, yeah, in a year that Pittsburgh is replacing a first round draft pick quarterback and West Virginia trying to take the next step in the Big Twelve, neither of those teams are ready for that level of standard right well and again this could be a game that as they revive this as they play this game a little bit more next couple years could this game really start to matter nationally sure of course these are two teams that you know for west virginia their conference is about to clear out at the top so they could ascend to the top of their conference for Pitt, acc pretty wide open clemson certainly not the top dog definitively anymore you know, you got some stuff going on in Miami, but what else is happening in your conference, right? So there is a lot uh, that could be good about this game over the next several years, and I hope that this serves kind of as the backdrop to warm this rivalry up for when both teams are a lot more relevant to the national stage. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm struggling to think about a game that I've been more excited about recently on opening night. I know we have week zero. Um, This is opening night to me. Week zero is kind (laughs) of like the appetizer. And then that Thursday night just kicks off a weekend long binging of college football Mm -hmm. um, on Labor Day weekend. I can't remember a game I've been more personally excited to watch on opening night. Um, So that's why I might be a little bit more uh, man, we should have ranked this higher, but I, I agree. It's not the yeah. the other four that we're going to talk about are all going to be very relevant to the college football playoff race and more relevant to the whole national landscape of college football. But goodness, this one's going to be fun. Yeah. I well, and I think it just goes to, to show. It. Yeah, it goes to show just how good some of these games are coming up. I mean, there's some yeah. really good matchups ahead of this one, so. Yeah, this will be a fun one to watch for sure. No disrespect to uh, Nebraska Northwestern, but this is the start of the season for a lot of us. <laughs> we will preview Week Zero, and we will have a lot we'll of fun talk about doing week that zero. because college football will be back, and we will love that. But yes, sure. this will be the unofficial opening night of the season for a lot of people. So, um, without further ado, let's move into our top four um, top four non conference matchups that we are most looking forward to for this year. At number four. Um, One that's been on the schedule for a few years now and uh, has gotten a lot of hype, especially with a coaching change at one of these programs. We've got Miami, the Hurricanes, visiting Texas A&M week three. A&M currently a seven and a half point favorite hosting the Hurricanes at Kyle Field. 
both of these teams, this is going to be their first big test of the season. We talked a lot about a lot of these big games happening on week one. This is not until week three. Um, I don't have Miami's schedule in front of me. I do know that AM will play Sam Houston State and Appalachian State before. Not the easiest opener by any stretch of the imagination, um, but two games that they should handle. Um, and yeah, I think this is going to be the prove it game for and really dictate the uh, direction of both of these uh, two programs this year. Biggest right. uh, non-conference game that's been at Kyle Field since Clemson. Um, you know Kyle Field and the Aggie fans will be ready to roll. But a lot of questions for a especially around the uh, quarterback position. Who's going to start for them? Two games under their belt will hopefully uh, get them ready to go for this one. But um, I finally got it pulled up. Miami will open with Bethune-Cookman and Southern Miss. So both teams should be 2-0. and It's going to be a night game on ESPN. I think there's a good chance college game day is there. Big atmosphere that we're expecting here at Kyle Field. Oh, yeah, no. And this is where we're starting to get into the national landscape. Both teams with high expectations. Um, obviously, Miami bringing in Cristobal, hoping that he can bring them back to that point where they wanted to be when they were winning national champion. Um, and obviously A&M with Jimbo trying to make that ascension up the SEC West. Um, look, these two teams haven't played since the uh, Dennis Franchoni days at A&M. And as I say that name, I'm sure a lot of A&M fans just did what Trey did and sighed and maybe rolled their eyes and maybe said a couple words that we shouldn't say. But uh, before that, these two teams had played in 1944, where A&M won 70-14. Uh, we can take that for what it's worth. <laughs> that was in Miami, to be fair. <laughs> um, but no, that's that's not a lot of history between these two teams. Um, look, this is going to be a fun one to watch. Again, like you were saying, a lot of questions at quarterback for AM. Uh, a exclamation mark, maybe a quarterback for Miami. Uh, but yes. what else do they have? What else are they bringing to the table? This is going to be an away game for them at Kyle Field. It should be rocking. And can this quarterback, who is extremely talented, keep his composure with maybe a less than stellar roster? Whereas maybe AM is saying we have the roster, but don't have the quarterback figured out. So, again, a lot of these matchups are sort of flip flopped ideas of each other. Um, it's going to be fun. I wouldn't want to touch this game with my money, um, just being completely honest. And so, I, I am excited to see where this one goes. Uh, definitely will make an attempt to be at this game um, along with a couple others. But yeah, there there will be a lot of uh, excitement around this game. Great atmosphere. Um, yeah, excited to see how this one plays out. Yeah, Tyler Van Dyke for Miami getting a lot of buzz as a potential Heisman candidate. I think it'll be the second toughest quarterback test for this A&M defense behind uh, Bryce Young this year. Um, and right. Another one, This I, I love all these being so early in the year because it's going to set the tone for the rest of the season for both of these teams, like we've said with sure. a lot of these matchups. If Miami can go into College Station when not a lot of people are picking them to win, I think they immediately jump to probably the favorite to win the ACC. Um, and I know Clemson is still there. I think Clemson, we've talked about it on the show before, I think Clemson has a lot to prove this year and Miami would be, would have shown the most impressive win to that point so far um, in that. Oh, conference. sure. Yeah. So 
if Miami can find a way to win in College Station, um, I think they're the favorites. They're at least in the minds of people covering the sport and in the fans' minds, they're probably the favorites to win the ACC. Who knows where they could go after that with uh, Mario Cristobal's first year in charge of that program. And for AM, this is one that I think a lot of AM fans expect to win. And I don't think are really um, contemplating how difficult it's going to be for AM. AM did lose a lot on defense last year. They have a lot of talent coming in. This is only going to be the third game for that uh, star studded recruiting class. So will AM have the better right. defense in this game? Yes. Will they have, uh, will Miami have the better quarterback in this game? I think probably. Um, but it's going to be a really interesting matchup. How does uh, Tyler Van Dyke handle the Kyle Field crowd that's going to be rocking and that Aggie defense that's going to be chasing after him all night? Well, and also not just the Aggie defense losing all those players, but their coordinator as well, Mike Elko, yeah, over Duke. He's, I mean, there's going to be a lot for their new coordinator to come in and prove. Um, you know, would I, if I had to pick it right now, I'd probably pick the Aggies to win this one. <sighs> man, this is just going to be a tough game for both teams and a game that both of these teams kind of need to win, right? You know, if you're Miami, you need a statement win to start this crystal ball era off. You don't want to start with another big time game and a letdown, right? You don't want that if you're a Miami fan. And if you're A&M, you need to prove that you're back where you were in 2020 and you are not the quarterback injury season, you know, from last year, which was 2021. You know, you need to need to prove who you are now. So neither of these teams can really afford to lose this one. Um, and, and I don't think either team is going to come into here, uh, you know, maybe overlooking the game or looking past game. I think both teams are going to be locked in. This should be a fun one to watch. Yeah, I, I you won't have to worry about uh, a letdown from either of these two teams from a previous game. It is going to be circled on the calendar. And uh, again, early in the season, both teams should be relatively easily 2-0 and and really looking forward to this one. So yeah. moving on. Not to uh, say that they're not excited about Sam Houston or Bethune-Cookman. You just know, a little extra juice when you're, <laughs> when you're playing another Power 5 team, for sure. sure. Um, so our top three, uh, number three, coming in at number three, another week one matchup. We have Oregon taking on Georgia, another one of these that's a neutral site in name only. Um, this game being played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, obviously, um, right in the backyard of the Georgia Bulldogs. So Georgia, fresh off their national championship season, hosts their former defensive coordinator in Dan Lanning, making his mm -hmm. coaching debut for the Oregon Ducks, another team that we talked about having um, some quarterback question marks. I think it's pretty clear-cut. This might be um, an old take exposed here if uh, in the next two weeks, but... I think it's pretty clear cut that Bo Nix will be the starting quarterback at Oregon for this one. Um, Bo Nix, obviously very familiar with the Georgia Bulldogs. He has played, um, played against them three times and uh, his time at Auburn and Dan Lanning, obviously very familiar with this roster and what Kirby smart and Georgia are going to try to do. Um, do I think that's going to be enough for Oregon to topple the national champs? Probably not. Georgia comes into this one as a 17-point favorite. Um, that is the highest line that we have on these games that are highlighted. And I think they probably prove that to be an accurate assessment. Now, will it probably be close in the first half? Yeah, I do think it will be 
a close game. Oregon will come into this one fired up, but I do think Georgia's talent and um, just clear advantages um, in the coaching realm of things are going to pay off, and they're probably going to pull away here in the second half. Yeah, no, I mean, for me, uh, I'm going to go a slightly different direction on this one. Um, I, If it were my money, and this is definitely not financial advice here, uh, but if it were my <laughs> money, uh, I am going to be placing a hefty bet on the Oregon Ducks to cover that spread. I think this is a okay. close game. Look, okay, Georgia, national champions, not trying to disrespect you. Okay, we, we respect what Georgia did. Okay. Um, in this game, you are talking about two massive advantages, and you already brought them up, which is Dan Lanning knowing this team and Bo Nix being a bit of a difference maker. We have seen Bo Nix play at extremely high levels, especially in you know those kind of upper-tier games. Now, I don't necessarily think that they win, but I think they're going to give Georgia a heck of a shot. Uh, look, Georgia lost a lot on defense. Obviously, they're reloading. Obviously, they recruit well. They lost a lot on defense. To expect them to perform at the same level that they did on defense as they did last year, that would be dumb. I'm sorry. That's just a stupid thing to expect. Um, they're going to be worse on defense. They're still going to be very good on defense, but they're they going to be, be worse the number on one defense in America this year sure. and still be worse on defense because that was. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They, they gave up something like 7.8 points a game in the regular season last year. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. That is just, that is stupid numbers. And so, you know, they're not going to put up, I think, stupid numbers again. They might. They wouldn't shock me, but I just don't think that that's a good expectation to have for the Georgia Bulldogs. So when you're looking at this, you're saying, does Oregon have playmakers to keep up with them? Maybe not for the whole game, but I think they're going to keep it closer than 17. I think we're talking about maybe a, a 10 point game by the time this is all said and done. I feel very comfortable putting my money on Oregon to cover a 17 point spread there. I still think Georgia probably wins this one. They have won the only meeting. This is a single meeting as well in 1977, a team from the Pac-12 heading to a SEC power, right? Uh, that was very similar to the Utah-Florida matchup. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Um, again, this is the third best game that we have on this list, but I, you know, I think it's going to be really competitive. Yeah, so you heard it here first. Garrett Turney is predicting the Pac-12 to be the premier conference in college football. That uh, is what I said, and I want to make sure that I am heard absolutely correctly. The Pac-12 between, will send five teams to the playoff. Between Utah, <laughs> between Utah and uh, Oregon, they are coming for that SEC supremacy. They are coming no. for it. I think only um, no. Utah ends up winning that, but you know. It's <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right with Bo Nix. I think when it's like the Bo Wallace situation, the joke a few years ago with Bo Wallace was good Bo or bad Bo. When good Bo Nix shows up, Mm -hmm. Your defense can be in trouble really quickly. Um, and when bad Bo Nix shows up, your team is in trouble very quickly. So yes, it, it'll be interesting to see which Bo Nix sure shows hope up. That good Bo shows up to if the you are a fan of the, if you're a fan of the team quarterback by Bo Nix, you have to hope the good Bo shows up. But if he does, you're in for a treat. You're in oh, for yeah. a really fun ride um, with your offense. So, it should be interesting. I do think yeah, no, at, um, at his best, he's good enough to beat anybody in the country. Yeah, we, we've seen that. And we've seen his games against Alabama and we've seen his games against uh, really good other teams in the SEC. His yeah, debut LSU last year. Yeah. 
Yeah, LSU last year. We saw his debut as a starter was against the Oregon Ducks in a primetime slot on national TV, and he balled out as a freshman. He has that in him. So it'll be interesting. I hope for the sake of just entertainment factor that Goodbo shows up in that game. Uh, so we'll see. Um, we but can hope. <laughs> should be a good one. I love when these teams from across the country play each other too. So um, moving on, two more that we want to highlight real quick. First, Number two, um, Alabama taking on the Texas Longhorns in week two. This is a much-anticipated matchup. I think people have been looking forward to this one for years since it's been announced. Texas obviously had a very down year last year, going 5-7 and seven, uh, in Steve Sarkeesian's first year. Obviously, there's a ton of storylines with Sarkeesian being a former Nick Saban assistant, being the offensive coordinator for those um, really good offenses. Um, Garrett has a kind of a smirk on his face. I think I know what he's about to say maybe, but uh, Alabama comes into this game right now in June as a 14 and a half point favorite on the road in Austin. Again, we this one will be a big noon kickoff on Fox, kicking off at 11 a.m. local time in Austin. So bring your sunscreen and bring extra water for that one. If you're attending this game, you will the need it. The whole gallon. Yes, and freeze it the night before, pro tip. Um, yep. But this is a big game. Uh, this is a this has the chance for Texas to be a program-defining win for Steve Sarkeesian. I think Texas definitely has less to lose in this matchup. Kind of brings up a lot of memories for their matchup with LSU a couple years back when Joe Burrow kind of kick-started his Heisman campaign in Austin. Um Really interesting matchup to me. I think uh, that line does seem a little high. Texas historically has played up to competition under their last couple of coaches, even under Sarkeesian last year. Um, really interesting. I, do, I don't think I would take Alabama to cover that spread here in the middle of June, but I definitely see the argument for that. Sure. Um, I mean, I'd probably take them to cover that spread at the moment. Um, I, man, there's a lot of numbers you could put on this one where I'd probably still take Bama. I think Bama personally is coming into this season pissed off. Um, I think after losing, kind of getting embarrassed, feeling like if they didn't have a couple wide receivers get hurt, they would have won it all. Um, Nick Saban losing the recruiting and, um, you know, coming into this complaining about NIL, kind of getting embarrassed. It's been a lot of emotions for the tide. Uh, and they are, I think, poised to just thrash people all year. Uh, I think Bryce Young is going to be even better. Um, there's a lot of question marks in this game uh, around Texas and their offensive line, around the quarterback play, uh, on that defense. So there's a lot of question marks here. Last time these two teams played uh, was actually the only time Bama has won this game. Uh, fortunately for them, it did come with a national championship ring. So um, that was nice for them. And before we start getting that comment. I will say that it doesn't matter <laughs> that Colt got hurt. Uh, I know the Longhorn fans are thinking that if Colt hadn't gotten injured, they would have been the dynasty of the 2010s. You're just wrong. Um, I have nothing else to say about that. Go ahead. Send me the hate mail. Um, again, that's fine. Find me on Twitter. Um, but look, you're looking at these two teams. You're saying, these are two teams that I think are going to be very good over the next several years. I don't think Texas is there yet. I just don't think that they're there yet. 
Um, I think they're going to get there. I think they're going to be just fine, but this is not the season for them. Uh, by the time they play them the next time around when their conference foes, I think it'll be better out, you know, but I, I just don't think that this is it for Texas. They have too much to prove. I know that everyone thinks that Quinn Ewers is going to come in here and be an all-world quarterback. He'll probably be very good by the time it's all said and done. Uh, don't know that he's that guy this year in game two, right? Um, I don't know that their offensive line, as good as some of those guys are on that offensive line coming in, they're, they're counting on three or four freshmen to come in and start. And I think that those three or four freshmen are going to do a very good job, just maybe not in week two. Um, again, this is going to be a fun matchup to watch. I think it'll be a fun game, but I don't think it'll be very fun for more than, say, a quarter and a half. I think this is one where Texas hangs for a while, and then Bama does what Bama tends to do, which is they exploit a mistake, they scoop and score a fumble, they pick six, and they just start to bury you. This is what Bama does. Yeah, I, I the path to winning, sitting here in June, trying to analyze this game, obviously before – Anybody's taking a snap. A um, couple things. One, this is not your 2021 Texas Longhorns. Um, I'd oh, be yeah, willing to sure. bet they do not go five and seven or worse this year. Oh, There's absolutely. There's way too much talent on offense for that. Um, but the path to victory here, like you said, in week two with a brand new quarterback is very, very narrow. Quinn Ewers, we're assuming that Quinn Ewers is probably going to be the starting quarterback. Quinn has to play a perfect game in his second collegiate start. And right. if they're going tough. to compete, it, it's dang near impossible with the type of talent Alabama still has on their defense. Um, and is it, imp- is it completely impossible? No, I do think there is a path, but that path is extremely narrow. Um, it's going to ride on whether or not Texas can hit some huge plays with their star wide receivers. I think oh, yeah. that is the difference. That's the one X factor that gives me a little bit of cause for pause, but I do they think they have one of the best wide receiver rooms in the country, if not the best. Yeah. And, and they will need to prove that if, um, if they're going to keep this game close. So I think having it at home, if this was a night game, I would definitely be more likely to lean towards Texas and the 17 points or right. uh, 14 and a half points. Sorry. Um, but who knows this, this could be a, if Texas is able to win this game, it is a program-defining moment for Steve Sarkeesian. Um, obviously, the jury's still out on whether or not he is the guy to bring Texas back, but um, this would go a long way if he's able to steal this one from his former boss in Austin in Week 2. Um, mm-hmm. So, one final now, one we want to talk about. You got one I'm more? I'm going to say one last yeah. thought on that. What I will say is that if this game is close around halftime, all bets are off. Absolutely. They have to keep yeah. it close at halftime. If you're, this is that classic. If you're down by ten, down by fourteen at the half, it's it's that's where Bama gets you. They just play exactly. with house money at that point. They rush the passer. They make you make mistakes. They drain the clock. This is just what Bama does. So, uh, if they can keep it close, get some big plays, great. Otherwise, it's going to be over by big noon. So, yeah, and I mean even. There's a big difference between being within 10 points with five minutes to go in the second quarter and being within 10 points still at halftime with Alabama. Sure. Because you see time and time again, these teams will hang around, and then the last five minutes of the second quarter, mm-hmm. Bama, they get a pick six or a punt return touchdown, or you make a mistake and turn the ball over, and it's game on for Alabama. So. Yep. Good point there. It is very imperative for Texas to 
hang close at halftime if they want any shot in the second half. So, all right, right, number one, our most anticipated uh, non-conference matchup. It is in week one. It is the headliner of week one. College Game Day has already announced they will be in attendance in Columbus, Ohio for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame making uh, Marcus Freeman making his head coaching debut for the Fighting Irish against the Buckeyes of Ohio State, the $13 million men in Columbus. Uh, the Buckeyes are See, favored. Joe, we talk about Ohio State. Yeah, shout out Joe in Longview. Um, Ohio State favored by 14.5 points in this week one matchup. Garrett, this is... Uh, one I'm surprised we haven't seen more recently. You know, these are two programs that are very close to each other geographically. Yes. Obviously, Notre Dame does, even though they're independent, has a lot of scheduling obligations between the ACC and their traditional rivalries. But um, this is a big one. This is an opportunity, again, for Marcus Freeman to make a big splash in week one, even if he's able to keep this one close. I think a lot of people would come away impressed with Marcus Freeman. And for Ohio State, um, can they keep the machine rolling? Can they keep doing what they've been doing under Ryan Day? Can they make a statement that, hey, we might have lost uh, the big t- lost out on our division last year, but we're not going anywhere. We're still right here. We're still Ohio State, and we're still here to compete for national titles. Oh yeah, no, they're going to be primed to come in here and do a big. St- you know, they're they're ready to do it big this year. They kind of embarrassed. After last year, you know, losing to Michigan and just kind of not having the season they wanted. But they are primed to get it right. Flip side, though, is there's a lot of confidence on Notre Dame's side. They have their guy. They are glad that Brian Kelly is gone. They said, don't let the door hit you on the way out. You know, they they are happy to have their guy. Winningest coach in their history. Uh, right. <laughs> they, they did not end on a good note. Um, so... <laughs> Is that look the the other thing here? I'm looking at some of the historic uh, trends here. Ohio State has kind of owned this game in recent history. Uh, they've only played six times though, which is kind of surprising That's for this matchup. To me, yeah, they, that is they, shocking. Ohio State has won the last four, going back to uh, 1995 with John Cooper and Lou Holtz. You have to go all the way back to 1936 to find the last time that Notre Dame has won this game. They won this wow. game 7-2. to two. Uh, That was Elmer Layden coaching up the Notre Dame Fighting Irish there. So Big, uh, um, big four-run seventh inning was the difference in that. <laughs> that was it. That was the four-run yeah. seventh, yeah. No, so uh, it, this should be a lot of fun. I'm excited for this game. This game ultimately gets number one because I think we haven't seen this game. These are two power programs, historic programs, programs with high expectations, a lot of recent success. I mean, what's not to love about this, right? This isn't necessarily maybe your your best two teams in the whole country, but certainly top 10. Um, and I think you could argue, you know, top five programs right now. But yeah, there's a lot to be excited about here. Lots of big time players, lots of, you know, ready to get at it. And we're going to get this one, what, right off the bat, right? This is First week of the season, we get to jump straight into the college football season. All eyes on this game. Uh, I'm pumped for this game. Yeah, it's a great headliner for week one. Uh, Saturday night broadcast, like I said, college game day will be in the house in Columbus. And, you know, I think CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba could, if they get going and, and Notre Dame isn't ready for that, then 
they could cover the spread by it could themselves. be a track it, meet. It, it yep. could be a track meet that Notre Dame isn't ready for. We have seen them struggle with Ohio State esque teams very recently in the past. Um, so you know, I I do think if I this is one of those big spreads that I do think I would actually take the favorite at home right now oh, wow. in the middle of June. Um, but Notre Dame, they are going to be fired up. I think those players love Marcus Freeman. They're going to be excited to ball out for him and really show the world what they can do under this new regime. So really exciting. Garrett. Don't underestimate a passionate team either. Don't underestimate a team who is ready to run in there with their hair on fire and just play lights out. I mean, Look, I, I will not betray the uh, slight bit of a Notre Dame following I've amassed on Twitter, right? There's a <laughs> very slight Notre Dame following that I have now, and I am absolutely shouting out those guys. This is going to be a good game. They're going to keep it close, uh, and we will see what happens when the dust settles. Garrett, really making some interesting alliances here as we oh yes towards the season. Very uncharacteristic, but I love it. Um, we got to expand the brand. We got to expand the the audience. Um, and speaking of that, just as we close out this episode, Garrett, it's been a lot of fun. This is getting me really excited for preview season and getting to dive into these teams a lot more in depth. And we are really excited to bring all of that to you guys very, very soon. Make sure you're following us on social media at three tech pod on Twitter and Instagram to stay up to date on our newest episodes and on um, all the latest news in college football. You can get it there first. Make sure you're subscribed on uh, wherever you get your podcast and make sure you give us a rating too. It really goes a long way uh, to take two seconds to tap that five-star button and give us a rating and do write in. If you have any thoughts on our rankings, if there's a game we missed that you think we should have highlighted, please write in. Uh, 3techpod at gmail.com. We're still taking your mailbag questions. Be on the lookout for a full mailbag episode very, very soon. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you for hanging out with us on our two-man crew. For that man over there, Mr. Garrett Turney in Tarrant County. I'm Trey Reeves. We'll see you next time, everybody.